Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Other Side NDE, where we talk about the fascinating phenomena of near-death experiences. These are more than just close calls. These are first-hand accounts of what people experienced dying, leaving the body, exploring another realm, and then returning to their body in order to share that experience with you. Every person that we interview, and many of us listeners, believe these accounts to be undeniably true experiences people had on the other side. If you enjoy listening to stories like these, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, The Other Side NDE, where we post two to three videos every week of people sharing their NDE stories. Hi, I'm Brian Hoyland. I had a near-death experience. I was a military police officer in the United States Army, and I was exposed to toxic chemicals. And that eventually developed into autoimmune diseases, one of which has destroyed my heart. I ended up having to have a heart transplant. I'll get into that as I tell my story. But what had happened is I had this autoimmune disease that ate away my heart from the inside out. And it started to cause me to have arrhythmias that were were life-threatening. This is a rare disease, and particularly the aggressive nature of my disease was extremely rare. I went into cardiac arrest on January 16th of 2017. And during that period, I knew I was going to die. I could feel it. I, I had been in the ER for seven hours fighting for life. They finally got me up to the ICU bed, and they were going to intubate me and and get all the ICU protocol taken care of. And I went into another really bad arrhythmia run and they called in the crash team, brought in the crash cart called Code Blue. And I could feel my body was dying. Now they put me on this bed. And of course, the only thing I could see, cause you, know, you got doctors and nurses all around you. And so I, the only place I could see was at the foot of the bed. There was no activity down there, but on the wall, there was this crucifix. And it really struck me. It grabbed my attention. Of course, I couldn't turn my head anyway. They had me strapped down and they're shocking me and trying to keep me around with them. But as I'm looking at this, I finally got the ability to pray. I was really struggling to pray during this. I had all this worries about my sins and the things that I had done wrong because I I wasn't a perfect person. So as I'm praying now, finally getting these prayers out, a comfort came over me. Like I was ready to die. I knew that I was going to die. There was nothing I could do to prolong it any longer, but I wasn't afraid. And so I just sat there praying and talking with God. And I felt my body starting to shake and pop. And 
my soul exited my body. It was the most incredible feeling. It was painful for that brief moment that I did that shake and the pop, but all the pain was gone instantly as my soul left my body. All the noise and chaos of the hospital room instantly ceased. I was in this quiet, dark void that just immediately overwhelmed me with this peace and this love, just joy it emanated throughout my soul. But I was looking into this dark void, kind of like in a tunnel, if you will, that I was standing in, but looking off into what you would think would be like outer space. I didn't see stars or planets or any kind of luminous beings, but it was a huge dark void. And it was kind of hijacking the feelings of peace and love that I was experiencing because it was almost trying to compel me to go into the dark void. But I could tell that the love and the peace wasn't coming from there. And so I sat there and I, I said, well, this can't be it. But it wasn't a thought like, you you know, we have in, in human life where it's just one simple thought or maybe, you know, a, a sort of a complex compound thought. This was an exact thought that went through so many layers of thinking. And it was not just about that this can't be it, but that I really didn't want anything without God. I didn't want to have this wonderful feeling of joy and peace and love just staring into a blank blank dark void nor did i feel that i wanted to go into that void so i looked at that and as soon as i had said that i realized i was looking at this dark void and i was seeing depth i was seeing into it i, I could see far into it so i knew that there was light and i realized at this moment that i could see in 360 degrees now, I didn't realize that I could see it at, at the time, but I was seeing it all the time that there was this light behind me. And so immediately when I saw the light, I said, I want to see that light. So I turned and I made an active physical motion to turn, which I didn't need to because I could still see the dark void behind me. So I never lost sight of anything. I could see, you know, like I said, in 360 degrees. But as I'm looking at this light now, I'm seeing how beautiful and resplendent it is. It was marvelous. This light was so pure and it was only emanating love as if it was love itself. And I could feel it just pulsating into me. It was palpable. This love was so real that it was beyond any kind of physical touch or emotion that we can contact with in life. So it overwhelmed me. It was flooding into me. And as soon as I was seeing it, I, I said, I want to be with that light. And I was immediately there. I mean, there was no G-force. There was no wind or kind of propulsion that made me feel like I moved as fast as I did. But I was quick. I was there just like that. It was incredible. So just saying that, having that thought of wanting to be there, and I was there. Yet what was interesting was I could remember every step that I took along the way. And so it gave me this idea that there really was no concept of time because I was there as quickly as you could basically get the thought out. And yet I took all those steps in order to get there. It was incredible. And this was a long distance. I remember I told you I could see 360 degrees, but I could see endlessly too. So I could see a, a distance that was so far beyond comprehension. Now I'm standing before this light and it was so beautiful, so powerful though. Imagine you're feeling this pulsating feeling from the light. That's how powerful this light was. And so I was really taken aback by how powerful it was and it wasn't hurting my eyes. And I was looking in both directions, left and right. And I looked up and down. I couldn't see the end of it. I couldn't find the end of it. My vision, I was able to grow my vision. Kind of like if you're 
following your vision because it's going so fast. It was like my vision itself was seeing things as it was continually going further and away from me. And yet I could see everything that it had already saw in that process. While I was also looking at what I'm looking at forward and the other direction up and down. So, I mean, you had no limits to the ability of our vision. And that was so impressive. It was fun to play with. But as I'm looking at this light and I had said, I can't believe this light doesn't hurt my eyes. That's when God said, you can come in if you want. And so I went right into the light. I went into this light and it was so warm and so full of love. It felt like a real embrace. Like God was hugging me. It's hard to explain because I had this overwhelming increase in my intelligence. So I understood things that I can't even comprehend now. So trying to explain it is very difficult. But this love was a love like what a parent would have if they were able to create their own child the way that they wanted. I mean, this was a love beyond what I have for my children. So I think you kind of get an idea of it. But as I'm feeling this love pulsating into me, this was the part that just overwhelmed me about God's love is that I felt like I was a straw. You know, you imagine a straw, it's, it's drinking out of a cup. And you got the liquid in the cup. Well, this cup would be endless. There's no end to his love. So as I'm drinking in through a straw, the liquid comes up through the straw and goes into my mouth. The straw is never empty though. The whole time I'm drinking, it stays completely full. That's what his love was like. It was like, I'm that straw and I was just being overwhelmed, just inundated with his love, filled completely. And it was constantly new, constantly fresh, coming up through that cup and was going back out into the rest of heaven. So it was never being lost. It was always being recycled, if you will, back into heaven. And the beautiful thing was is that I felt like for eternity, I would feel that love new and fresh because he is endless. I could feel that that I'm so small and he's so large. It was overwhelming to see that difference and to feel that his love was coming into me like that. I knew for all of eternity, that is what we're going to do. We're going to drink in his love and it's going to be fresh and new. It's not going to be boring. It's going to be the most exciting thing that we can ever have because when I was there, I loved it. I remember seeing this movie, Shawshank Redemption, and guy has to escape out of prison through 500 yards of a sewer pipe. And I would never have done that, not even to get out of prison. I'll stay in prison. Give me my three hots. But when I'm looking at what I had saw from the love of God, I would stay in the sewer for all of eternity with all of the gross things that come along with that just to experience his love. That's how magnificent it was. I've never felt love like that. And it was so overwhelming. When I was feeling this, I said, I want to see Jesus. And that's when the light opened up and I saw this great room. And this room was huge. It was as big or bigger than that dark void that I saw. But I could clearly see this defined. And in this room, there were, I can't even contemplate how many beings there were, but just imagine an endless sea of beings. And they were all shimmering with this beautiful light, just a magnificent light, similar to the light of God that I had saw surrounding this place. But it wasn't as bright. So clearly there was a hierarchy. But there was this one being, it was so bright, so resplendent, more complete and beautiful than any of the others. It was clear to me that this was Jesus, although I didn't see his face at this point. It was as if my soul was attracted to him. 
there's no doubt that this being was so in love with me and my origination, this origination point, the origin of my soul came from this being. I could feel that connection. And so I looked at him and I said, Jesus, I want to see your face. And as soon as I said that, his face started to come together. Now, this is the part that really interests me because being a psychotherapist, I'm into consciousness. I'm into to certain aspects of how the mind works. Now, with my mind having been dead and was back in the hospital room, I had no limits on my mental abilities. It was fantastic for me. But to see how his face came in and I could see his face, but it was as if it was an animation. You know, you flip a little book with a bunch of different shapes on it and they seem like they're moving. That's kind of like what it was. It was going into my eyes, but it wasn't laying down in my memory. I wasn't able to retrieve what his face looked like from a memory because I didn't have a memory of God. So as his face was coming in, I was forgetting it immediately. I'm not sure why he did that. I don't know if that was to protect me or if it was just I wasn't worthy. I have no clue. I don't think it had anything to do with me being worthy. But what I do know is I didn't get to take in his face, but I did get to see clearly what his face looked like. And he was smiling at me and he had love in his eyes and he emanated love through his person and his features. Even while we were discussing my life review and I mean, I went through a lot of things in my life. I was not a perfect man. I did things I'm ashamed of, but those things, while I was ashamed in life, I was sorry for them. And those were not as seriously held against me as some of the others that I really validated. And I came up with excuses for why I did things. And those hurt Jesus. Those were the things that all the sins had applied to him and his passion. But the ones that I really held on to, the ones that the things that I did wrong, particularly towards other people, and that I justified because I thought I deserved better. Those were the things that hurt him the most. So as we're doing all this, I'd like to point out that time in heaven wasn't a continuum. It wasn't like the succession of story like I'm telling right now. It was more like a pin dot. And a pin dot, you have everything that has ever happened throughout all of history. And it's all happening right at the same time. Never ends, always the same. It's crazy. It's beyond our, our understanding because we live in a continuum. We live in a time frame. We grow old and we have that that kind of life experience, but it's not like that in heaven. So while I was doing all of this in heaven, we were all doing it at once. So if, if that makes sense to you, try to stay with me. It's hard to explain. Hopefully I'm doing well enough. I want to bring up the point because while I was going through my experience, Jesus was teaching me every step of the way. And the three things that he taught me was that I needed to pray more. And wasn't just saying routine prayers. I happen to pray my rosary every day. I love it. It's a great prayer, but that's not the only thing that I need to pray. It's also doing good deeds for others. It's work. It's there's things that I can do for somebody. I can smile at somebody who maybe, you know, I don't have anything else to offer them, but it looks like they need a smile. You know, that's not a hard thing to do. So there's a lot of ways that I can live a life of prayer, but it's always living knowing that I'm trying to do what's best towards God. If I put him in the proper order, put everything that I do towards him, my life becomes a prayer. So that's what he was trying to instruct me on how to live my life that way. The other thing that he told me was to suffer joyfully. 
I have serious autoimmune disease. I ended up having to have a heart transplant. And with that heart transplant, when they took my heart out, the doctors said, there's no way I sh it should have been operating. It should not have been functioning at all. This is a, an extremely devastating disease that I have. So I ended up having to suffer for many more years. And I knew that was coming. I knew it was going to be hard. But what Jesus showed me was that you know, here he is as God, and he came down from heaven for us. He didn't have to suffer, but if he went onto the cross and died for us, then why should I expect anything different? And it wasn't that he said that I would need to have to suffer, that that was always something going to be in place, but life is hard. And sometimes there are difficulties in life. And he was showing me how me handling it in a proper way reflects generosity and love to the rest of the world. Me holding on to that pain and that suffering and becoming bitter and agitated becomes a, a curse to the rest of the world. And this is how he expects us to live, is that we don't have to necessarily like the suffering, but to suffer joyfully means that we accept what comes to us because in life, there is no guarantees on what we're going to get. So this was a really important lesson, particularly coming back and having far more pain than even when I had died because all the processes of trying to save my life. Now, the last thing he told me was that I needed to share his love. And that was a pretty simple thing, and yet it's not very easy to do. I, he wanted me to share his love with everyone. And not even if, if it's whether they agree with me or disagree with me, he wants me to share his love so that they can be exposed to the beauty and the kindness and the caring love that he does have for them. So at this point, Jesus said that it was time for me to go back. So I started to make my way back, and I had to go back through the exact same route that I had come in. And when I had done that, I, I got back out of the light. I saw my tunnel and I could see at the end of my tunnel was not the dark void any longer. It was my hospital room. And I could see all the doctors and nurses working on my body. And it looked as if I was kind of seeing it from the back of my head, kind of looking through my own eyes almost, but I could see my whole head. So it wasn't as if I was actually looking through my eyes. But as I'm looking at it, that's the, the view I was coming back into. I could see that they had this Lucas machine on me. They were trying to revive me through CPR. They had a lot of oxygen on me. They were testing my brain. Without brain activity and no heart activity for 10 minutes, that's a long time. They were very concerned that I was gonna have some brain issues, some cognitive deficiencies because of this. Luckily, I've experienced none of that, but when I came back into my body, I snapped back into place and spontaneously revived, is how the doctors described this. But I popped up as much as I could. Being strapped down, it's, it's fairly difficult, but I popped up as much as I could and I yelled to the doctor, whatever oxygen I had in my lungs through the mask. I, I said, did I just die? And this was really a weird question for me because I never believed in NDEs, but having been a psychotherapist, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, I know I just died. I experienced death, but I didn't lose consciousness. This is the part I wanted to make sure that it wasn't an out-of-body experience, that they actually had me medically dead. And the doctor had to come forward again because it was too quiet to hear me, came down real close and he said, yes, you died when I said it the second time. And to me, that was so powerful because I knew I had experienced this, but for me, for some reason, I wanted that confirmation. And the whole experience has shown me that there is so much love out there and it comes from God. He is where love emanates, but it gets lost on us. 
And I can't live my life like that anymore because I saw how I was interrupting that process of love coming down through God and going out to others. I wasn't that open straw like I was in my experience. I didn't have the resistance and I didn't have all these distractions that come with life. So it was easy to just love God and give love back. And that's the goal, I think, of, of what we need to do in life. So that's what I try to do with my life now. I try to live my life trying to show love to others, trying to make sure that every interaction I come into, that I'm showing them how much that God loves them. Because really, it nothing else matters to me. It's, it's not about my ego anymore. It's not about choosing which restaurant we go to or what movie we see or, you know, which way we go to work, you know. Those things aren't really important to me. Even with my own career, I've given up the ambitious desires to move up in my career and become more prestigious in my therapy and in my practice. Instead, I've taken a different route. I have decided since my experience, I didn't, I wasn't this kind, I guess, beforehand, but now I want to work with the homeless. They don't have anything to offer me. And this is the beautiful thing. They don't try to pretend like they do. They are simply hurting. And I found that I have a place that I can show love. And that's what my goal is. That's where I'm going to direct my career for the rest of the time that God has given me.